Hello and welcome to Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies. I'm Ken Broman, folks, and I'm glad you're here. Hope you find today's episode meaningful, spiritually challenging, and nourishing to feed your hunger. His name was Mr. Henry, and he was my ninth grade science teacher. The reason I remember him after more than 40 years is that Mr. Henry was the first teacher I had ever had who wasn't primarily a teacher who taught a subject. But Mr. Henry was a scientist who loved science and loved kids and wanted to share his knowledge of science with the rest of us. He knew his stuff. When it came to science, we, he wore a lab coat, which was very impressive. He had us do cool science experiments, and, and we all were kind of in awe of him. One day, I remember in particular, because on that day, someone else in the class, obviously as impressed with Mr. Henry's knowledge of science as I was, said in, in rather a kind of a, a voice of awe, how much do you know about science? Mr. Henry smiled and he kind of looked off into space for a second. And then he said, I know just enough to know how much I don't know. And I remember that 40 years later because it was an epiphany moment for me. It was one of those moments where you discover a truth you'd never understood before, a truth deep, deeper than, than can be measured. And The truth for me was this. True ignorance is revealed by a person's insistence that they have it all figured out. They know so little about something that they don't even know how much they don't know. This is the most dangerous kind of ignorance, this lack of awareness of what you don't know. So that you think you know, but you don't. You think you have it all figured out, but you really have no idea. This is dangerous because it produces pride that will get us into trouble every time. I remember when I was 17, I thought my parents, in fact, I thought all adults were dumb. By the time I was 25, with a wife and a baby, I was amazed at how smart my parents had become. Had they gotten smarter in those eight years? Of course not. But I had become aware of how little I knew when I was 17. But that ignorance of my ignorance was dangerous. About that same age... I remember just shortly after I had learned to drive, I was driving the family car one afternoon and I was coming to an intersection, which I wanted to turn left, had a traffic light. It had been raining that afternoon and the roads were wet. As I approached the traffic light, it turned yellow. And so I sped up to beat the red light. And as I entered the intersection and began to turn left, My rear tires lost grip of the road, and I did a donut right there in the middle of the intersection. Fortunately, all the other cars were stopped, so I didn't run into anybody. 
And in fact, I did such a circle. I did 360 plus another 90 degrees and ended up pointed right at the direction I had intended to go anyway. I sat there for a second or two in shock, and then I headed on the direction I was going. But I headed on a much more frightened and humbler guy. I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I knew how to handle that car. I didn't know how to handle that car, but what was even more dangerous was that I didn't know that I didn't know how to handle that car. In this fascinating story of Jesus healing the man born blind, the Pharisees display the same kind of prideful ignorance or blindness that I had when I was 17. They think they have God all figured out. They have scripture all figured out. They had reduced it all down to 613 laws and a Messiah who was supposed to look like King David. That's all there was to it. Obey the 613 laws and wait for a great warrior king Messiah to come. And then along comes Jesus, and he is a problem for them because he doesn't fit into this nice little set of categories and boxes that the Pharisees had built. He heals a man born blind And he does it on the Sabbath. Well, that's a problem for them on a couple of different levels. First of all, nobody had ever given sight to someone who had been born blind. Perhaps some had healed people who had had their sight and lost it, and they healed it and brought it back. But nobody had ever given sight to someone who had never had it in their lives. The other problem is, that he does this on the Sabbath. Well, there's 613 laws say that healing is work, and a good Jew doesn't do work on the Sabbath. Therefore, Jesus can't be a good Jew. That still presents the problem of the man who can now see. So they either have to say that this isn't really the man who had been born blind, that the miracle never really happened, or that it was a trick of some sort, that that Jesus did a switcheroo and put in another man who looked like the other man who could see. So either Jesus didn't do the trick, the, the miracle, or they have to figure out a way to say that It was by the power of Satan that Jesus did it. So they bring the man in and they have him tell his story. And then they bring his parents in to have them testify as to whether this is actually their son who was born blind. And this doesn't go over very very well because, first of all, he says, yes, I was born blind and he gave me his sight. His parents say, yes, that's the guy. That's our son. He was born blind. We don't know how he sees, but he sees. So they call the blind man back in a second time. And they say, come on, tell the truth. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. After all, he healed on the Sabbath, so he must be a sinner. They've got God all figured out. If if healing is 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 work and work is a sin on the Sabbath, and he did this on the Sabbath, ergo, Jesus has to be a sinner. 
So if he actually did this miracle on the Sabbath, he can't be, they can't figure it out. So they ask him, what do you think? He says, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I do know this. I was blind and now I see. But this just doesn't work in the Pharisees' closed system of religion. So they ask him again, tell us again, what happened? He gets an attitude. I've already told you what happened. Why do you want to hear it again? You want to be his disciples? They answer, we are disciples of Moses, and we know that God spoke to Moses and said, you don't work on the Sabbath. You're this man, Jesus' disciple. We don't know where he comes from. Well, that's amazing, says the man. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, and yet here is a man who has the power to give sight to one who has been born blind, a miracle no one has ever been able to do, but you don't know where he comes from. If he weren't from God, he couldn't have done this. Well, when faced with this clear logic, the Pharisees do what we all tend to do when faced with the clear truth we don't want to accept. They insult him. Basically, what they say to him is your blindness at birth means that God was displeased with you at birth. Ah, God didn't like you when you were born and you want to teach us something about God. And then they throw him out. Jesus catches up to the man after this and he tells the man that he has come into the world to give sight to those who know they are blind and to reveal the blindness of those who think they see. Some Pharisees overhear this and say, you're not talking about us, are you? You're not saying we're blind, are you? After all, we're the most educated, most dedicated, best Jews around. And Jesus responds, if only you weren't so prideful. If only you didn't think you had God all figured out. If you could just acknowledge how little you know. But as long as the Messiah stands in front of you and you cannot see him because he doesn't fit in any of your tiny preconceived boxes, your blindness and your sin of pride remain. There's an old saying, there are none so blind as those who will not. See, it's about denial, the choice not to see what's in front of you. And and it's right, denial is a powerful blinder. However, it may be that there is an even more terrible kind of blindness than denial. And that is the blindness of those who are so sure they see that they can't see. They are none so blind as those who think they see. God never fits into these little boxes that we make for him. God never feels comfortable in those boxes when we think we've got everything all figured out. He keeps breaking them and exploding them. As soon as we think we've got God and God's word all figured out, God does a new thing and just 
explodes all of our preconceptions about what God is like and, and our formulas for how to become Christian and our formulas to be sure we're going to heaven and all these things. Now, I'm not saying that there's nothing we can be certain about in our faith. Can we be sure that God loves us? Absolutely, that's so clear throughout Scripture. Can we be sure that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? Absolutely, it's all through Scripture. Can we be sure that if we accept the gift of salvation that Jesus offers and and acknowledge him the Lord of our lives, that we can be sure of eternal life? Absolutely, the Scripture is clear about that. But there's a whole bunch of stuff about which we Christians disagree. And, and that doesn't mean we're not Christians. It just means that, that there's a lot of stuff that is hard to understand. And when we get so sure that we're right about it, so that we spend all of our time arguing with each other rather than sharing the good news with the world, then we put God in a box and he never stays there long. When it comes to the less important things of our faith, we need to have humility as we interpret Scripture. We need to be able to say to one another, you know, I may be wrong about this. You might be right. We need to always let God be God. Let God be bigger than the boxes that we keep trying to make him fit into. We need also to not feel like we've got to have it all figured out before we'll believe it. There are a lot of folks in the world today that are very uncomfortable with the mystery of our faith. If it doesn't all fit into the logical boxes that we like to put the world into, we can't believe it. You'll never get God all figured out. He's bigger than you are. So don't wait till that day. Our Presbyterian church's motto is, in Latin, reformata, semper reformanda. It means reformed and always being reformed. It embodies the humility that says we may not have it all figured out. We are not perfect and we need to be open to change when God calls us to change. We know just enough about God to know how much we don't know is one of the things of which I am most proud in being a Presbyterian. It insists that we never close our minds, but that we keep ourselves open to new things, new movements of God's Spirit. It means we do our best to be Christians who know that there are things we don't know. Socrates, the great philosopher who spent his life trying to understand life, was once quoted as saying, I only know that I know nothing. Like Socrates, Mr. Henry, my ninth grade science teacher, also had learned enough to realize how much he didn't know. May we be more like Socrates and Mr. Henry than like the Pharisees who reduced God down to 613 laws and a Messiah who looked like King David so that when the Messiah was standing in front of them, they couldn't even see him. They didn't even know how little they knew. 
May we be humble enough to admit that God can't be put in a box and that the more we learn about God, the more we realize we don't know. Amen. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies. My prayer is that this message has touched you, challenged you, and nourished you in your spiritual journey. If so, please share Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies with your friends, and I pray God's blessings on you today.